All right. Good morning, and thank you, everybody, for joining us, Faith in the Fast Life Podcast. we got my man, Danny Lucero, with us. We have a, a little bit of an impromptu kind of setup here today. We're uh, actually in one of the bedrooms at the house as we're, oh. as we're uh, transitioning from uh, Wake Up Pueblo. We like to thank everybody at Wake Up Pueblo for you know, getting us to where we were and the, the relationship we have with those guys. Uh, great outfit, and we're thankful for that relationship and uh, looking forward to what the future can have. Many things come from Fast Life. I think Wake Up Pueblo will be involved in a lot of that. But we're transitioning over to uh, our own little podcast booth. Um, we got the trailer that we've been talking about with everybody. That's going to be coming soon, so I want to encourage you guys to check out with that as we go this summer. We'll be online, online at events, uh, doing different things. Um, but today, man, it's uh, it's Pastor Danny Lucero with us, good, good friend morning. of mine. Yeah. Danny, thank you for being here. Um, as always, completely unscripted. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's pray and let's just see what God has to say. Sounds good. All right, so Father God, we just we thank you today, Lord. We thank you for these listeners. We thank you for for Danny and for the story that you've given him, Lord God. May you just let your words be his words today, Lord God. Let let his story impact somebody who needs to hear it, Lord. We know you can do all things, Lord God. And we just pray today that you will reach these listeners with an incredible story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So yeah, so uh welcome Danny to uh the bedroom of the house that we have set up pretty Looks well good. for a little podcast Looks studio. Yeah. Um yeah, nothing scripted, man. It just We've had Danny on the podcast before for any of yeah. the listeners. Remember, I think, I want to say it was episode seven. Mm-hmm. We talked about some other life stuff. And, and today, you know, Danny has a pretty cool story. Um, amazing what God's done in your life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell us more. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, man, growing up, uh, you know, I was actually b- raised in church. Um, did the whole, my, my family did the whole ministry thing. I, I remember I was, I was never uh, gifted in, in singing. So I was, I was the sound man. That's how you know who can sing and who can't. The sound man's the guy who can't sing. So uh, we had a little a family ministry. We would travel, and, and, and my, my mom, my dad, and my sister would sing, and I would run the sound. And um, so, yeah, growing up in church, but, but it was never really real to me. It was more of a, man, this is what you do. And, and to be honest, without airing too much of other people's dirty laundry, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't mind airing my own, but... But, but what I saw at home wasn't what I saw at church. Um, you know, the, the, the people that I saw on the platform uh, weren't necessarily the same people I saw at home. Um, so uh, growing up, church, faith, God, it was more of a, I don't want to say a job. It just wasn't real, right? God, God wasn't real. It was like, it was something that you just did as a family. Um, <clears throat> you went, you did, you did your Sunday thing, you did your traveling thing, you did the ministry thing, and then you went home and you were entirely somebody different. Uh, my, my, home, my home life didn't match my church life. Um, and that is why right now that's one of my biggest goals in my ministry and in my life is to be the same man that my kids see at church that they see at home and to be the same man at home that they see at church, right? Yep. Um, <clears throat> in fact, and, and let me, I'll divert for a minute, and then we'll get back, but but I heard a story one time, a young lady who, she was a PK, and she was growing up, and, and she grew up, you know, as, as a pastor's kid, and um, later on in life met with a bunch of former pastor kid friends that she grew up with, and a lot of them weren't serving the Lord. Um, she was one of the only ones that was still in church, still, you know, running after God, and the discussion 
<clears throat> came up and, and, um, I never really thought of it this way until she said it this way. You know, she had asked them, well, why do you guys think, you know, why do you think you walked away? And she was telling us this story. And, and one of the individuals said that very phrase, because the man I saw at home wasn't the same man I saw at church. And I remember that, and that stuck with me when I was getting into ministry, like, man, I, I got to be the same guy. So so my testimony, man, I, I grew up in church. Um, it's not really, you know, for me because it was just a thing. Um, right. And then, and then I, I graduate high school. Well, in high school, you know, I just, you know, we were talking about earlier in high school, I remember trying to find my identity, right? Um, right. I was, I was raised on the lower East side of Pueblo. So for those of you who are not from Pueblo, um, the lower East side is, is, it's that neighborhood, right? Where, you know, every city has that neighborhood you really don't want to go into. And, and that's the East side of Pueblo. <clears throat> but oddly enough, my parents were still together. So, you know, a lot of my friends came from single family homes. Um, so I really didn't fit in. They, they would actually make fun of me for, having both parents in the home. Like imagine, right? I'm getting made fun of for having both parents in the home. Right. So something with that just kind of hit me and I was trying to find a good definition there as I fumbled through my phone. But um, Pastor Craig Rochelle just preached a sermon recently about relationship and religion. Yeah. We, all, we seem like we're always talking about that, right? But yeah. would you say that you said it wasn't really a thing? It wasn't real, right? Right. As at your younger ages because you hadn't developed your own relationship with God, right? Right. Your family was going through a religious act, Correct. basically, right? Correct. Which, to me, um, and I'd encourage everybody to listen to to Craig Groeschel's uh, sermon because it was an amazing sermon. Yeah. Um, but he's talking about religion being kind of an outward act, right? It's like yeah. what you do. Like you can you can religiously go to the bar every Friday night, right? right? You can religiously watch football on Sunday. Um, you can religiously go to church. Yeah. Um, the religious leaders in the time that Jesus was here, right. you know, were were acting. It was this outward act, right? Yeah. They wanted everybody to see that they were believers or yep. followers. So they they're, they're outwardly acting, and that's kind of what you guys were doing, right? Correct. Correct. Um, not to say that your family didn't have an incredible relationship that maybe you just didn't see as a young man. Yeah. But you're seeing a religious act that's happening every week. Correct. And you're kind of going, wait a minute, like, what is this? And yeah. you don't have a relationship. So now you're coming into your high school years, struggling with identity. Yep. You don't realize that you're a child of the one true king. Correct. Tell me more. So, so yeah, I mean, and, and because of, you know, what was going on, my, my parents did go through a divorce um, in my, I think it was my, I don't know, fifth grade. So in middle school, high school, you know, parents were separated, kind of still playing the church game, you know, or the religious, there was real, no relationship. So to me, it wasn't real. And, and you're absolutely right. I didn't have a personal real relationship with Christ. So going into high school, looking for my identity, um, you know, my parents did get back together. So they, they, in high school, they were back together. I'm living, we're, we're living at home on the East side, struggling with my identity. You know, I, I, I played sports, didn't fit in with the, you know, the so-called rich kids from this part of town that I played sports with. I uh, didn't really fit in with the gangbangers who had everything, you know, or nothing to lose and everything to gain. Right. I was, you know, I kind of, again, I had some foundation, um, and, and, and I, I always felt like, man, I, I didn't want to throw my life away, but, but I didn't fit in. So, so in, in high school, just kind of trying to find out where I fit in, um, you know, found a group of friends, good group of guys, but just, you know, we all, we all like to hang out and have fun, you know, go out and, and do what some, you know, most kids do. Right. So was, did all that. Then after high school, um, 
got in a lot of trouble in high school, got in a lot of fights, that kind of stuff. After high school, I, I moved to Denver for a little while and I, I came across a guy, I was at, at a mall and came across a guy and you know, you're always, su- you're always suspect when somebody says, Hey, um, you know, you ever thought about acting or modeling? And I'm like, you know, <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> and, and you're always, you know, you're always leery of that industry. Right. But he gave me a card. He was legit. He was out of, he was out of LA. Um, he was a recruiter type. Uh, I don't even know what they're called anymore. Um, but what he would do is he would put together shows with all of the agencies. You would go down and, and he'd find the talent for the agencies. So went down to LA for this, this conference show type thing. I don't even remember what it was called and uh, got in front of agents and moved to LA trying to, uh, or I actually moved to San Diego, but would go to LA to try to pursue a, an acting modeling type of, of, of career, I guess. Um, and then from there, I came home one Christmas, and this is where 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 God really gets a hold of me. I came home for Christmas, and I my little brother's five years younger than me. We have a friend, a mutual friend. He was more of my little brother's friend at the time, um, who was actually going to Bible college in Columbus, Ohio. I come home from from California for Christmas. He comes home from Bible college um, for Christmas, and um, he <clears throat> comes over to visit my little brother at my parents' house. And my little brother's not home. So he, you know, I invite him in, Hey man, what's going on? And he starts talking and he has this fire in his voice and, and that's the only way I can describe it. He, and, and in his eyes and just about him, like he's, he's on fire with what God is or, or, or what's happening in his life. At this point, I have no relationship with God. At this point, I'm, you know, I'm the furthest thing from God. I'm just doing my own thing. And that's, um, I was going to ask that. So like, as you're in San Diego, you go through high school, you're growing up on the east side. We didn't touch too much about that. You're doing, you're having fun. You're doing probably the things that we shouldn't be doing, right? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and now modeling thing comes along. You see dollar signs or whatever it is. You yeah. see, like, here's this opportunity to get out of Pueblo, which right. a lot of people, correct. you know, if you're from here, yes. um, a lot of us look at that. As I get older, I look at Pueblo and I say, you know what? Like, it's a pretty good little place. Like, yeah. we got we got some, yeah, yeah. something kind of cool going correct. on here. But uh, at that age 17 18 years old we're like we got to get out of here right yeah, yep but no relationship no relationship like you're not God, praying no. you're not reading a bible no, no. you're completely living in the world in Correct. san diego and in la right yeah yes yep. so this is like not something that's been planting little seeds to you as you go along this is no. out of the blue here comes this mutual friend of you and your brothers and yeah and the Holy Spirit hit you. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know if you want me to touch more on high school. I mean, you know, I just kind of walked away, you know, walked away from God, walked away from church. Again, my family, uh, parents got back together, but they weren't really, um, they weren't doing ministry anymore, obviously. They, so they, they divorced when you were they in fifth divorced grade. divorced fifth grade. Yeah. And then, so now what this religion, not relationship, but this religious act that you guys were doing, this worship team, if you will, you know, that's all goes away. It's all gone. Yeah. That's all gone. It's so all now gone. you're going into middle school, not attending church. No, 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 we weren't, we were not attending church. No church, no relationship, no religion. Correct. But then pretty soon your dad and your mom get back together. They get back together. Yes. And that's in middle school or high school. That's around, if I remember correctly, around middle school, seventh, eighth okay. grade, they get back together. But um, the worship stuff doesn't come back. No, it, it never comes back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so when they divorced, we left the church behind. Correct. Correct. And yeah. now it's just world for you. Yeah. We would go okay. periodically, right? You know, when I was with dad, you know, we would go every now and then when I was with mom, we would go every now and then. Um, and then even when they got back together, we would go, but 
we were more uh, attendees than than participants, right? We would just, I think, again, just go to because I they were both raised in church. So I think when they got back together, it's just like it's the mentality sometimes of people who are raised in church. Like I have to go to to check the box, right? right. Yep. And that's what it was in middle school, high school. It was it was more of a check the box type thing. Um, we weren't involved. We weren't actively. Um, there was, uh, you know, again, we, for me personally, there was no depth um, in what I saw and in 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 what I was doing in my own personal life. There was there was no depth there. Okay. So so we're so we yeah, in high school, you know, yeah, in high school, man. I mean, um, yeah, I got in a lot of trouble. Um, was doing those, you know, the drinking, and and that's one thing too that that I think now as I look back, um, I learned a lot. Right, drinking and alcohol was never really my thing. It was never really my thing. I sat my son down and I actually told we had this talk and I said, son, listen, I said for me and possibly for you, alcohol was never really an issue. Like I, I'd go to parties to, you know, to drink, but I wouldn't go to get drunk. Right. Um, I, I never really went to parties for drugs. I went to parties for girls. That was, that was my whole thing, right. Is, is women. And, 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 um, you know, and as a result, you know, it, it became, uh, you know, Hey man, going out, just trying to, you know, find that next fulfillment film, fill this need within me to, to, um, I don't know, you know, do that, that empty void. You're trying to fill yeah. that empty void. And for Everybody's me, everybody's searching for something. Correct. Yeah. And, and for me, that void temporarily was, was, you know, I would fill it with, with girls, right. I, I would go and, um, you know, that was my, that was my identity at the time. You know, we'd go and, and I was the guy that they would always say, Hey, let go round up the girls, right. Go round them up. Right. Danny, go get, you know, um, and so I would, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's what I would do. We got in trouble, got in fights. Um, you know, actually, uh, you know, we're at a house house thing one night and, and a bunch of windows get broken. Um, the big fight breaks out, bunch of windows get broken. And my name, uh, oddly enough was the only name that came up. So I had gotten a lot of trouble for that. Uh, and because of the amount of money and I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't bring up any other names. So I took the the whole load of that. And as a result, it was, I mean, it was like a felony. Um, if I remember correctly, I didn't get, I don't have a felony on my record, but I remember going through that thinking, man, you know, this is it. This is, you know, I'm, so, so, um, I did do a, you know, a, a weekend in jail. My parents wouldn't bail me out. They were like, no, you're going to, you're going to learn, right? This is, you know, if you want to, this is who you want to be, you're going to, you're going to learn. So <clears throat> spent the weekend in jail. Um, so tell me this, did, did that, did that help want to steer you the other way? You know what? We, we, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, minimize the, the loss of freedom, but, but no, no. And here's why, because, and, and again, and I, I don't want to minimize the loss of freedom and I don't want to minimize maybe jail or, you know, definitely prison. I'd never been to prison, but, but honestly, jail for me, wasn't that bad. I'm an introvert by nature. Um, you know, you, you catch me, you know, I'm most comfortable at home. So for me, it was like, I sit in my cell and I'm cool. Right. I mean, I, you know, I'm by myself. They, they you close your cell, nobody mess with me. And, and so, you know, and, and I slept a lot. So, so, <laughs> so for me, it wasn't really like, like, and I'm not going to act like, a, you know, I'm super tough guy. I mean, walking in, I was scared, right. I'm, I'm 17, 18 years old. Well, 18, cause I had to be an adult to go in. You know, I was probably a buck 10 back then, buck 25. I was really thin. So I didn't have a lot behind me, right. Walking in. And then I realized, okay, these are just, you know, un, you know, unfortunately these are just guys, you know, waiting on trial too. And, uh, and, and they, they house you in an area where, where, you know, I think certain floors, they have like the Fallons, right? The guys that are like the killers and, you know, those kind of guys are on one floor. So you're in there with guys who, you know, um, you know, DUIs type stuff, domestic violence type stuff, guys, guys that, you know, 
um, that, that, that I interacted with weren't really that, you know, scary. So, so it didn't deter me. No, not at all. In fact, that wasn't the last time, you know, I got in fights. Um, there was one time I got in a fight at the Pueblo mall and again, got thrown in jail. And, and, uh, at that point I, I was to the point where I was like, oh, I'll just spend the three days in here and not even call my parents. So I didn't even call my parents. Right. Um, so, so again, I, I don't want any, you know, you know, anybody who's listening, you know, who's never been or, or even kids to think, oh, well, jail's not that bad. You know, Pastor Danny said jail's not that bad because it is, it is right. They take your yeah. freedoms, right. Um, you know, the meals are terrible, uh, the, the, you know, just it, it's on your record, but, um, but it wasn't a deterrent for me, unfortunately, no. So if you came out of that jail for the weekend, you, yeah. you went right back to the lifestyle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I went right back. <clears throat> um, in fact, you know, and, and here's the thing, a lot of times too, um, I carried, I carried some of that stuff. We sweep it under the rug, right? What I carried with me is that, that need to fill a void. I carried that with me to Bible college. Um, I'll get there. So, so, um, that, that whole, you know, hey, getting the girls and filling that void with girls thing. Again, I thought, man, hey, when this guy said, hey, you want to be an actor, model, right? I thought, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And a guy like me, it's not the drugs, not the money, not the alcohol. It's the access to women, right? Oh, wow. You know, yeah, let's do that, right? So I get down there and, and you know, I'm looking for that. I'm trying to fill that void, that void that I didn't realize could be filled by God because it never was filled as a kid, right? I was never filled, that void was never filled as a kid because it was never real to me. Um, so I carried that, you know, I, I carried that. And even when I got back, you know, again, my friends tell me about Bible college. I, uh, I, I, I was like, man, I got to get where you're at. I, I got to get to where you're at. You know? um, so I literally just got rid of everything that I had and I signed up for Bible college like that weekend, right? This was Christmas Eve. I was, this is Christmas like 1999 or Christmas 2000. I'm in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, January 2001. Like, So go back a little bit. So we come out of high school, we go to jail, you keep living the lifestyle. The guy comes in at the mall. Mm-hmm you know, hit you up. You see women. Yeah. You head to California. How long were you in California for? I was in California for two years. Two, two years. years. Yeah. So it's like 97 to 99. No, I, uh, about, cause actually I was in Denver first for about a year. So it was, okay. so all I remember specifically is that I was in Columbus, Ohio for 911, 2001. I mean, yeah, yeah. Right. 911 was 2001. Yeah. Yep. So, so, so I was in Columbus, Ohio. So, so I was in, so somewhere between 99 and 2001 was the whole 98. Yeah. But your brother's friend comes in on Christmas, comes to visit your brother. Yeah. And there's something about him. Yes. That you just can't explain, but you're like, that's the void that needs to be filled. Correct. Like that, that's it. So that, that's like the Holy Spirit's speaking to you yes. through him. Yes. Did you go back to California nope. after that? Nope. I mean, that was it. That was it. You were home done. for Christmas. And then you then, never went back and moved. Any, nope. Like, you just, just cut it. Cut it. Just done. Just done. Like, that was, like, yeah. I mean, would you say, I mean, explain to the to the listeners with this. Like, um, I had a friend the other day ask me. He he um, he asked how I do it. This yeah. is a, as a, a man that was a great friend of mine. Yeah. Um, as uh, as kids. We grew up together, rode bikes together, did all these things together. And he still is not a believer. Yeah. And he's texting with me the other day, and he asked, he said, well, how, how did it happen? Like, how did he get a hold of you like that? Like, yeah. you know, he's very like, how does it happen? Well, yeah. explain that feeling. Explain that moment. Like, what is, how will you, it, it, can you can you describe that to the listeners of what that felt like? Like, what he had and you wanted more of, like, 
How do we put that into words where you just know? Yeah, like it's, it, just, it's just kind of hard. And, and, and it's, it's also a process too, I believe. So I believe in some people's lives, right? Um, it's just like deliverance and healing. You'll see some people get delivered like that, right? Boom. You know, they're, they're addicted to drugs, they're addicted to alcohol. They come to the altar, boom, they're healed. And then you see others that it's a process. Yep. So for me, it was more of a process. So, so to answer the question, what, what drove me to go to Columbus, Ohio, what, what drove me to say, forget everything else, you know, forget California, forget this, forget that. I'm going to Columbus, Ohio, cornfields of Columbus, Ohio, right? Cold, nothing there. I knew nothing about the church. I knew nothing about the, 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 the Bible college. I knew nothing about Columbus, Ohio. All I knew is I'm standing in front of a kid um, who's, you know, three or four years younger than I am. So that's why I call him a kid. I'm standing in front of, of, of my friend and he's got this fire. There's just something in him. Like I, you, and you really can't pinpoint it. Um, but there's just something like, I'm like, okay, he, maybe, maybe, you know, in your business, maybe he was a salesman. Maybe it was like something like he tapped into something. Right. But there was just, I, I just knew whatever he has, whatever has him this fired up, I want whatever has him loving life. Like he's loving life right now. I want, I, because as you're in California, you're chasing something, but you keep correct. ending up empty. Correct. Correct? Correct. correct. And that's, and that's kind of our lives that, you know, Nothing can validate you except God, not your yes. wife, not your children, not your job. Not I mean, Correct. only God can do that. Exactly. So that's why we say so many people are, everybody's searching for something. Yes. So you're in California, you're looking for it, yep. and you just keep coming up empty. Yep. And now you see him and you're like, wait a minute. Yes. He's full of it. Yes. Full of something great, and I want to be part of that. Yeah. So you never went back to California, nope. and now you're in Columbus, Ohio. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. And, um, you know, just, it's interesting because you, you know, at least the Bible college I went to, you know, 90% of the kids there, they knew about it before going, right? They understood it. They knew what they were going into. The other 10% were there because their parents made them go, right? Like little Johnny was a troublemaker. So if we send him to Bible college, he's going to get saved. So you had 90% who were like, yeah, you know, I'm going to become a pastor. I'm going to go back and I'm going to lead my dad's church or I'm going to be a bishop or I'm going to, you know. And they would always ask me, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just here because this kid had a fire in his voice, right? So so I'm literally at, you know, in Bible college with no intention of ever becoming a pastor. It was just like, I'm here because, you know, again, my friend had a fire in his voice. And um, they would ask you, what are you going to do? Well, you know, when you graduate, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I, I don't know. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll vacuum the church. I'll, I'll, you know, whatever God calls me, if God calls me to be an usher in the church, I'll be the best usher that, that anybody's ever seen. That was my, that was my heart there. But earlier I was talking about how, how it's a process and how if we sweep things under the rug and we don't allow God to address them, they won't get addressed. I remember walking into, <clears throat> it was where we had chapel and it was the old church that um, had become part of the Bible college. So it was a, you know, it was set up like a church. And um, I remember walking in and I'm standing in the back of the room and God told me, gave me this revelation that, you know, it was still my pride. It was still part of that void that I haven't given to him because I had this revelation that um, I needed every girl in that room to notice me. Uh, I needed every, I, I needed, I wanted every girl to know I was in that room. And, and so whenever I walked in a room, I walked in wanting every female to know I was in there and to know, and, and, and I wanted them to want me, even though I didn't want them, you know, like a relationship, mm -hmm. even though I didn't want to talk to them, I wanted them to be like, Oh, I wish I could be with Danny. Right. There was still that, that for me, that, that 
So this is even as you get into Bible Correct. school. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm kind of well in. I mean, this is months into Bible college, right? This is months into God doing things and, and me giving God some but not all right. You know, I was, I was, I hadn't given God everything and and I haven't, I wasn't maybe more so I wasn't real with myself. I kind of swept it under the rug like, Oh, you know, okay. God's dealing with me. God's dealing with me, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't real with God and I wasn't real with myself that that's what I needed. Right. So when God, God showed me that I was like, wow, okay, God, this is, this is what, um, you know, I need, I, you need to heal that. You need to fix that because again, you know, my dad, one of the reasons for the divorce was my dad had multiple affairs on my mom, um, multiple affairs on my mom, you know, very, uh, physically abusive to me, um, it, not physically abusive to my siblings, just me for whatever reason. And my mom, whenever she would try to intervene. So I'm sitting there standing there going, wow, this is, this is, this is my, my sin, my struggle, right? Like, and if, and if you don't address it head on, it's going to come back and, and, and it's going to, it's going to bite you. So is that kind of like a, maybe a generational curse type thing? I, I, I think so. I think so. And, and, and so, so, and, and I, w- the way I look at generational curses, um, you know, one of the things, again, I'm, I'm a student pastor and when I have students come to me and say, Hey, I might be this, or I think I'm that, or I'm struggling with this, you know, or I was born that way. You hear that a lot. Um, I think I surprise a lot of people when I agree with them. I tell them, absolutely, you're absolutely correct. You were born that way. We're all born with the propensity to sin, right? We all have, we all have, we all have that sin nature, right? Yep. Um, and and some of us, that sin nature is different than others. Again, mine was never drugs. Um, mine was never alcohol. It was always females. That was my propensity, and I think because of the family tree, that's the reason why. So, so I was, so God, God shows me that right as a young man in, in, in Bible college, I'm in my mid twenties. And so I had to be real with my son, you know, fast forward, boom. Now I, I have a son who's, who's entering high school and I have to sit him down and say, listen, actually, I think it was middle school. I said, listen, I said, I'm going to be real with you. Um, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, just look at anything on, on, on your phone. You can't just look at or go certain places or look at girls certain ways because, because it's a struggle for us, right? Um, it's, it's, it's in your DNA. Um, and, and so I, I had that discussion with my son, but, but, you know, go, I know I'm jumping back and no, forth, but, but in Bible college, yeah, God showed me that God showed me that, man, you, you need to give that. I, I needed to give that over to him that that's not who I was, right? I wasn't the playboy. I, that's not who I am. God designed Starting me to me. realize your identity. Correct. That, Started that to we re- have those generational curses that they, that can come down our family tree. Correct. But when you realize that your bloodline is that of, of Jesus, Correct. that the one true King, that you can actually break all of those, yeah. you can break those those chains yeah. right? break that curse that's coming down with you. Yeah. And, and, and I think for me, and this is my own personal walk, right? I mean, the Bible, Paul teaches us to, to work out your own salvation. Um, <clears throat> for me, I think that, that, you know, we talk about the old dying and the new, you know, the baptism, when you get baptized, it's a symbolization of, you know, the old man dies and the new man rises. Right. And um, so, so we have all those things, but I still think that, that we have to be real, and we have to understand because if, if, if we don't, if we don't, um, if we're not real with ourselves, we can put ourselves right back in a situation. What I mean by that is that as a pastor, so not only as a pastor, but even as a guy, I, I will make sure I do not, and this is just me personally, I will not text a female 
without either, um, if, if she doesn't have a husband, I won't, um, I, I will put my wife on the thread, right? Um, if she does have a husband, I put him on the thread. I just know who I am. I mean, I'm going to be real, right? I mean, I know it's dead and I know Christ can heal and Christ can deliver, but I'm not going to put myself in a position where right. I open a door, right? Yeah, so, so, so for me, I, um, because I've, I've realized because God showed me who I was or who, who I'm, a, you know, who, what my flesh propensity is, what my flesh desires, I make sure that I don't put myself in situations where I'm vulnerable and or weak, you know? Right. Um, so, um, yeah. Okay. So in Bible college, you recognize your flaw, your, your, yeah. your one true sin that's been yeah. with you. Yeah. It is maybe a few months in yeah. and it's a process. I mean, that's not something that you just, you know, this is something that always comes up, right? It's not like uh, God always just snaps his fingers and, and uh, yeah. you're right. healed. Right? right. So how did, as you walked that out through college, how did that go? I, I think for me again, uh, uh, just making decisions daily, right? Making decisions. Like I, like I sat down and told my son, making decisions on, on what you look at, uh, making decisions on what you read, um, scrolling through your phone, making sure you don't either, you know, you're scrolling kind of fast, making sure you don't go, Oh, wait a minute. Let me, let me check that out. Right. Just making that conscious decision to not, um, not put yourself in situations. So God, I mean, to be honest with you, for me, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm delivered. Oh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to look at women or I don't, you know, I don't, uh, it was a process of, of constant battle of, of choosing of not denying to your flesh. Yeah. And, and I learned something which, and this really helped me in my marriage and, and, and I will tie it together hopefully. Um, but I learned something while I was selling cars. Uh, so, so, uh, real quick. So, tell them, so, so you're in college. I'm in Bible college. Selling in cars. Bible yeah. college, but you're also a salesman. Yeah. yeah. In fact, the owner of the dealership said, Hey, uh, do you, do you find it like a conflict of interest? You're in Bible college and selling cars. And I told him, no, I said, because I don't feel like I have to lie to sell the car. Right. I think that's why he hired me. Right. Because, you know, you get that, that, you know, the, the used car. So it was a new car dealership. It was a Chevy dealership, but still, um, yeah, so I'm selling cars, but my sales manager would not make a deal. He would not write up a deal if you didn't do a test drive. Right. And the reason why is because he would always say the feel of the wheel makes the deal. And then especially if they had a trade and here's what they taught us. If, if the individual had a trade, you take them on a test drive and then you purposely make them park right next to their trade. And here's the reason why, because anybody, most people, when they walk in their their $3,000 car is worth 10 in their mind, right? Their, their $2,000, you know, car is worth 20 in their mind. So you want to devalue. So you get out of the, get out of the new car. You got that new car smell. You got that new car feel. You get out of their car, the new car and you walk up and you just start touching the dents and the dings. You don't say anything. You just touch them, right? You touch the dents, you touch the dings, you, you know, the old saying, you kick the tires, you, you know, if the window's cracked, you touch it and you just write these things down. You don't say anything. You just write it down. What that's doing is in their mind, it's devaluing their car. The car that they once loved, the car that they once spent 20, 30, 40, $70,000 on, it's, coming down right what did that do to me what what lesson did that teach me that taught me that i can't compare my wife right so if i'm looking at something other than my wife naturally i'm going to start to compare what i have from what i think i want right so it, it so so if i don't if i don't have anything to compare my wife to the new car versus the old and i'm not calling my wife an old car please <laughs> so if, you know, if you're listening, I'm not calling my wife an old car. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's something that taught me like, wow, I can't, I can't look at stuff, right? I can't look at 
other women and and and, and look at like, wow, so she's can, got you, you know comparison trap, comparison, right? Whether yeah. in which a comparison trap can be comparing the things you have to what other things are out there, or it can be a personal battle Correct. to where oh, I don't look the way that guy does. Exactly. I don't have the job that that guy does. I can't play basketball exactly. the way that guy does. It's a trap, and it's a trap straight from the enemy. Correct. So if you can recognize it, that's the first step. Yeah. Same thing with us in addiction and alcoholism, right? For me, the first step, any good 12-step program yeah. is going to say the first step is is uh, ad- recognizing there's a problem, right? Yeah. Admitting that I have a problem. So yeah. you're in Bible college. You recognize the problem. Yep. Now that you know it's there, you can start to make the work happen Correct. with it, right? Correct. So now you can start to deny the flesh on a daily basis. Yep. And then maybe there's people out there that, you know, I, I didn't expect this turn to go this way with yeah. the podcast at all. But, you know, as we think about this for the listeners that are getting into this, you know, just a quick plug. Who do you know that might be struggling with this that you could share this podcast with? Because yeah. yeah. I didn't expect us to go here, but this is big. This is yeah. something that everybody struggles with on a daily basis. Correct. You know, We've had a lot of different people on this show talking about pornography and different stuff like that. Um and that's a huge problem in our world today, yes. right? But something that you said that's so big as we as we scroll, right, and we yeah. swipe our fingers, you know, as you you're not really paying attention, yeah. but when that thing is, oh wait, what was that? Are yep. you backing up to it? Correct. And then studying it deeper because that's that's opening that door. Correct. Right Correct. to be something wrong. Correct. Or are you letting it slide by? Because in this world, everywhere we turn is sex. Everywhere is the exploitation of it. Right is is it's everywhere yeah it's all over correct so training yourself to be able to get past that is huge yeah not stepping into that comparison trap of of you know oh my wife's like this but this woman's like this or whatever that might be not letting yourself ever get there right is going to protect you from the enemy be able to get a hold of it and take correct. it further right correct and and, and 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 you brought up a good point too in that you know people who struggle with insecurities right um, I mean, we all have them, but some of us struggle more with, uh, with our insecurity. The same goes for that, man. Don't swipe, don't compare yourself, you yep. know, that, that, that trap of comparison, right? Because all it is, it's there, it's the, it's the enemy's way of devalu- of us devaluing ourselves, right? Yep. God created us all for greatness. Your greatness is different than my greatness. God, your plan and purpose is different than my plan and purpose that God created me for. But when I begin to compare then I begin to think, okay, well, maybe God got this wrong, right? Because I, I'm not living the life that that person's living. I'm, I, I don't have what they have, you know. And then you begin to second guess your purpose in life, and and it's so vital to not compare it, you know. It's it's again, and that's what that taught me, man. And and it was so interesting because you know they, they teach you this, and I didn't think anything of it, right? I'm I'm touching cars, I'm touching dance, I'm touching scratches, and 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 the whole time I'm devaluing that person's car to them and then god shows me later like hey man this this you can take that lesson and use it in life to not devalue what i have blessed you with not to devalue the gifts that i have given you and not to you know my wife is the biggest gift of my life so i don't want to devalue the gift that she is in my life right Mm -hmm. um especially especially in the times for those married couples when you're when you're fighting right it's that's that's the that's the worst time to start devaluing. You guys don't fight right. ever, right? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, there's never an argument. <laughs> no, my I'm, wife is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> never, never do we argue. Well, she's she's perfect, <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, right there, you go. Right. So, um, yeah, but but uh, so I'm in Bible college. God shows me this stuff. Um, I'm there with everybody who's going to be a preacher, a pastor, a, an apostle, a bishop, an evangelist. 
I'm like, what are you going to be? I'm going to be, I don't know. I'm going to be a janitor, I guess. I don't know. Whatever God calls me to do. Used car salesman. Yeah, used car salesman. So yeah. um, I you finished Bible college. I moved back to, to Pueblo, Colorado, get married. And um, I actually do start selling cars here. And that just didn't work out for me. I got a job in the corporate world and um, uh, the aerospace industry. And kind of, kind of left ministry behind. Uh, um, well, not. I mean, I was always involved at church, but I never thought like, okay, I'm going to be a full time pastor. I never, I never, never crossed my mind. I was just like, okay, God, I'm going to use me. However, um, got involved in 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 um, in ministry. You know, just helping out when I could. But I, I was I was working in the in aerospace industry. Um, was just kind of moving along, trying to trying to further my career. And um, my pastor came to me one day and said. Uh, man, let's, let's have a talk. Do you, do you, do you, do you think you can do youth? You know, our, our youth pastor at our church was, he was going in a different direction with his life and a position opened up. And, um, he said, do you think you can do it? And I was like, well, and he asked me full time. And, um, in my mind, the math didn't work, right? We had just built a house. I was, I was moving up in, in, uh, in my employment, um, was in leadership now. And, um, just, uh, there was no way. I mean, it was like, was going to be a crazy pay cut. And I'm like, you know, again, there goes the, the doubting God, right? I was like, there's just no way I can do this full time. So he said, well, what about part time? He said, I'll, you know, what about you, you help us out, you know, with the youth and it'd be kind of interim. It'd be kind of short, you know, term until we figure out what we're going to do. I was like, yeah, you know, that'd be cool. So I start ministry as far um, as a, as a part-time youth pastor and um, loving it, loving ministry. And every, at least, I don't know, at least three times a a month, my pastor would be like, we got to get you on here full time. We got to sell the crib. I mean, he would joke, you got to sell the crib. We're going to put your car on Craigslist. We're going to, you know, we're going to get you here full time. <laughs> right. And, um, I just kept thinking like, you know, it's not gonna, it's not going to happen ever. Right. My heart, I start to realize that that's my heart. My heart is full time ministry. My heart is to preach and share the gospel and preach God's word and to help people, um, navigate where they are to where they can be. Right. Um, I, you know, I just helping people understand that they are, they are a child of God, right? We are, I mean, think about that. You know, we are children of God we have for, you know, I, I was taught that, you know, in Bible college that I was living so far beneath where God had wanted me to be. Right. And so I come back and, and in high school, middle school, all of that, you know, I grew up with the, with the victim mentality. It's everybody else's fault. I got the F because the teacher didn't like me. You know, I got in trouble because, you know, somebody ratted me out and not because I did it right. That was my mentality, victim mentality. Well, I get in Bible college and, and I get in front of a guy who's just preaching. You are a child of God and you can do all things. And and it starts to resonate within me. Right. So I come back and I'm on a different playing, you know, in a different mindset and I want to help people. And I realize that as I start into youth ministry, like, man, I just want to help people go from where we are to where God wants us to be. Um, couldn't do it in my mind, couldn't do it full time. And, um, you know, just so, so I'm doing part-time youth ministry and working full-time job. And, um, uh, I don't know if you wanted to go, you know, to, to yeah. that part of it. I mean, so, so give us kind of a timeline with that. Cause so how long were you at the aerospace company? So I started in, I believe I, I, I total, I was there 17 years. Um, the last five, so I was there 12 years in the aerospace industry, um, 12 years moving up through the ranks. The last five is when I started to do the youth pastor part-time. I was, right. um, again, just doing. So with that, um, this is the one that I, I always think is is super cool um, for the listeners. So, yeah. you know, 
the pastor is knocking at your door. He's trying to get you over there full yeah. time. You're kind of saying, man, I can't, I can't take that pay cut. I can't, I can't do that. Right. We just built this house. We just did this. Um, you still want to be a minister. You still want to help with these kids, but the dollars didn't make sense Correct. in your mind. Um, and you go that route for five years mm-hmm. and then uh, this, this COVID thing hits, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, what a lot of people don't understand is that there's many businesses that flourished because of COVID, yeah. but the aerospace industry was not one of them. Correct. correct? correct. Right? So you guys start taking hits. Yes. You know, I remember, you know, being your friend, I remember some of the stress that was on your shoulders, um, some of the things that were happening. And, uh, um, what I think was so cool is what God did next, right? Yeah, so tell yeah. tell us more about that. So so before I go there, if you don't mind, I'm going to set the stage. Like we always, when I say we, my wife and I, we, you know, she felt for, before I did that I was called. She, I mean, I think I've always have. I think like a lot of preachers, I think I always kind of knew and always felt called. But my insecurities, right? Who, how can God use me? Because I know me better than anybody knows me, right? You know you better than anybody knows you, and you, you, you except for God, he yeah, knows you except for than God, that. exactly, right? So, so, so we struggle with that, right? We, well, how could God use me? So, so my wife had always known that I was called to full time ministry. A uh, funny story, real quick, about her is she would always tell me when I, while I was at Bible college, I'm not going to marry a pastor. So if you're going to be a pastor, <laughs> don't marry me because I'm not going to be a pastor's wife, right? So she's got that. I've got my own insecurities and struggles and um so when pastor asked me we wanted to do full-time uh but one of the reasons why and maybe this was just our way of justifying it in our minds is we had built this lifestyle that our kids were accustomed to we just built a you know a brand new a brand new house where they each had their own bedroom um you know and, and in our minds you know again coming you know especially for me coming from the lower east side you know um one, we had a two bedroom house, one bathroom, right? With six of us growing up. So, so in my mind, man, I'm in this place where I've built this lifestyle where like, wow, like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to go back. Right. And, and also, so I, I think what we did to justify it in our minds is we would always say, well, we don't want ki- our kids to resent ministry because in our minds, you know, we had to sell everything. Like, like, cause the math, right. The, like we were going to have to sell our house. We were going to have to downsize on our cars. We couldn't do the nice vacations. We couldn't do this, you know? So we didn't want our kids growing up going, man, we used to have a great life. And, and dad went into full-time ministry and now life is, you know, we just didn't want our kids to, to despise ministry. So, and, and I, maybe that was our scapegoat, but that's what we said. And, um, so, so, um, yeah, COVID hits and, um, were, were, you know, man, it, I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm getting ready for work and I get a phone call. And as soon as I look down and as soon as I see it's one of the managers, I, I, I know this is the call, right? So answer the call and he said, um, you know, hey man, I hate to let you know, but with everything that's going on, um, we're going to have to, we're going to have to, you know, let you go. We're going to have to lay you off. And um, I remember as he's talking, I remember thinking like, okay, here it is, right? Here it is. And then I hang up and I look at my wife and I say, well, I got laid off. I said, but I've got peace about it. And um, she, she looked up at me and she said, so do I. She said, I, I, we, we just had peace. I told her, I don't know what God's going to do in it and, and through it. Um, I said, but, but I, I, I feel okay. Now, I'm a firm believer uh, where I went to Bible college. The pastor always used to say, 
the recipe for success in anything you do in life is you pray like it's all up to God and you work like it's all up to you. So, you know, I, I, I obviously I get down and we pray together, you know, God take care of this, but then I go to work. I, I started calling my friends, I, I called you and I started calling other guys that I know that own businesses or that are, you know, that have, um, you know, just positions in, in, in businesses. And so I started calling and setting up meetings, you know, Hey, I'm going to sit down you know, is there anything that you're looking for in, in an employee? Can I bring something to the table? Uh, had, I think I had meetings every day that week that happened on a Monday. I get the call. I have lunch with different friends and different men and women that I know, uh, every day of that week. And, and I finally have a meeting with my pastor and I said, pastor, I said, you know, I just wanted to let you know that this is what's going on in my life. Um, uh, uh, you know, I know at that point the church doesn't have a position. They don't, they're, they're not, you know, they can't just bring me on full time. Um, he's, you know, so we sit down and, and he asked me what I was doing. And I told him, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching out to different places. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm throwing out my resume. I'm meeting with people. And he said, okay. And, you know, and we, we had lunch and, and that was that. Well, the following week, our executive pastor puts in his two weeks. So, so now all of a sudden a full-time position opens up at our church. So yep. my pastor, yeah, my pastor calls me and he says, all right, he says, now, obviously we can't, you know, we can't pay you, um, what, what, what you were being paid, but we have a position, you know, I want you guys to pray about it, think about it and, and we'll go from there. So <clears throat> he said, and I'll talk to the board and see what we can do. And so he does that. Me and my wife were praying about it. I mean, but as soon as he called me, I'm like, yeah, we're doing it. I mean, there was no question in my mind. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm going full time. Um, you know, and at this point, and here's the one thing um, leading up to that too. The, one of the things that, that my wife would always talk about, she started, started to, to, God showed her was, where she said this was, is our house like our is it our, our sacrificial lamb is, is, is it the one? Cause it was the one thing that we were kind of like, okay, God, if, if we can cut back here, if we can cut back there, we can do it, but we don't want to sell our house. She finally got to the point where she was like, if we have to sell our house, we have to sell our house. Right. I wasn't there. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't yeah. there yet. I would, I would always, I mean, I would always talk like, Oh, we can sell our house. Right. Especially during the boom, we can sell our house and, and make, you know, we have a ton of equity, but, 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 um, we actually built our house with our hands. So we have a lot of sweat equity and our, my kids love it. But anyway, so, so she was, my wife was finally at the point where she said, you know, Hey, I, um, you know, if we have to sell the house, we have to sell the house. Right. And so I finally got there. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, we'll do what we have to do. So I called, I mean, we sat down with the financial advisor. We sat down, we ran our own numbers, sat down with the financial advisor, ran some numbers. Um, but I knew before we did all that, that we're going to do it. We're, we're going to do this. Um, and we did, we, we jumped in, and um, I took a 55% pay cut, 55% pay cut from what I was making. And um, our lives have not skipped a beat. God has met every need, uh, our, you know, and, and we were always frugal before my wife and I, we were always kind of, we, we were not cheap, but we're frugal, we're wise. We try to be good stewards of God's money. Um, but so we never lived like a lavish lifestyle, but our lives haven't changed. Like, like we don't, we don't stress, we don't worry um, God's always meeting our needs where, you know, we still do vacations. We still are able to, to go and enjoy a life that we felt like we built outside of God, right. In this corporate world. And one of the things that God showed me in this too, was that I was always preaching faith while I had this little pet that I would keep called the corporate job, right? Mm -hmm. like, oh, believe God for all your marriage. You believe God will meet every need. And I had this little 
pet that I called my corporate job that I made a lot of money at, right? Or that I made a you know, decent living at. But now it's like, okay, now I truly have to put all of my faith in God. And, 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 and no, and, and we would always say the cliches, right? You know, I would always tell my kids, oh, you know, my job's not my provider. God's my provider, right? But I was too afraid to walk away from my job, right? So I would, I would say the cliches, but I, but I wasn't really truly living them out. And now God is, God is helping me and my kids. And, and one of my friends told me this back before this all happened. She said, you know what? She said, God's not God. Your kids will not despise God. They will see him be God. They will see God bless you in ministry. They, they, she said, stop being afraid to take the dive. Just dive in. She said, you know, she said, your kids won't despise God and they won't despise ministry because they'll see God bless you in it. Right. Mm -hmm. So now they are like my kids get to see God be God in my life. I think for the longest time, almost, almost, it, it was almost like history was repeating itself. We were doing this religious thing. You know, we were going to church. I was preaching it and, and I thought that we we're living it, but now, you know, I'm navigating life truly depending on God to meet our needs. And my kids are seeing that. They're seeing God be God in our lives, right? They're seeing what dad preaches. They're seeing it be um, fulfilled in our lives, right? So, um, yeah, and that's that's what God is to right here today, right? That's where right. I am today, full-time ministry. That's awesome. They just love the how the doors opened up. Yeah. About the the executive pastor, you know, is there's this long struggle, this long yeah. getting called that way, called that way, and then everything aligns. You, yeah. you lose a job, you gain a job. Yes, you have to make some sacrifices, but according to you, not that much, right? Yeah. Like not yeah. not much changed. Like, Correct. Yes, the dollar amount coming in changed. Yeah. But the life hasn't, and yeah. that's that's what God could do. He Correct. can do anything. He so, can. God, um, man. awesome. So. Man, great story. Um, so happy to have you share it. Yeah. You know, as we near the end of the episode, I always say, what's one thing that you want to leave with the listeners? What's one thing you want them to take home? <clears throat> I, I think I think from today, right, is just jumping in with God, right? Trusting, truly trusting God. One, like I said, the, the thing I was afraid to do, I was preaching it, but I, I, I wasn't really trusting God. And just, just truly trusting God um, that he will take care of it, right? It might not look like, it might not make sense in your mind. It, it, the money the money did not make sense. 55% pay cut, right? That doesn't make sense when you say that. Mm -hmm. um, but but it nothing, all of our bills are met. All of our needs are met. So trust God. Even if it doesn't make sense, trust God. Right. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. So, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, if uh, for me. people want to look you up, email you, yeah. social medias, any of that kind of stuff. What do yeah. You got? So, so I'm on, I'm on uh, both, uh, obviously Instagram, Facebook, Danny Lucero. Um, I also, the, the youth pastor at identity Ministries. So we have, we have a Facebook page and an Instagram page, identity student ministries, um, or at Pueblo praise. But my uh, email address is Danny Lucero at hotmail.com. Awesome. So yeah, get a hold of Danny. You got questions. I'm sure he's happy to answer anything. Yes. Um, as always, fastlifeministries.com. Feel free to DM us, uh, prayer requests, any of that kind of stuff that you need. Uh, look into giving with us, you know, YouTube channel. You know, obviously, you're listening to this podcast, so hopefully you found it. Um, but yeah, man, just what a blessing to have you, Danny. Thank you so much for, for being here and yeah. for all the listeners making an amazing week, and we'll catch up next week. Yep. God bless. Thank you for listening to Faith in the Fast Life. 
brought to you by Fast Life Ministries. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to rate, like, and follow our podcast page so you can be the first to see new episodes every Wednesday. If there's someone who came to mind during the podcast, please send this to them. People like you sharing the show really helps us to get God's message out to a wider audience. Visit FastLifeMinistries.com to give to our podcast and keep us running. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.